Hello, everybody. It's Michael Martin. Happy Monday. Thanks for being here. So I think, you know, we talked a lot about goals and mindset and intention. You know, it can become overwhelming if you have lots of moving parts to your life that you're measuring. And so what happens is when you have a lot of things that you want to change, it can be overwhelming and so much so that you're actually stuck and you're frozen from actually taking the action because you don't know where to start. There's too much. In my experience, if you try to change four or five things at the same time, you know, your head starts spinning and it's too, it becomes too much. Uh, it's too much work. It's too much to monitor. It can, uh, if you don't see immediate results, you can actually get discouraged. And that discouragement can actually lead you to stop trying to make progress on all of your, you know, five uh, balls that you're trying to keep up in the air, right? So what I typically advocate is pick one personal and then one business goal and keep it super simple because that's manageable. And one can feed off the other, which is helpful because that'll give you motivation and uh, keep you excited about what it is that you're working on. Maybe you want to quit smoking. Maybe you want to lose some weight. Maybe you want to add something to your overall personal life. Just have a deeper relationship with your friends. I don't know. It could be a million things. Um, better relationship with your clients. Maybe you want better clients or people who are easier to deal with. Um, and then in terms of your performance, you want to create higher amounts of net capital gains, absolute performance. Um, and kind of move away from the buy and hold. Let's see what the market gives us to something that's a lot more intentional that you have control over, you know, by using, like I said last week, a loss limiting methodology, or at least a segment of that in your overall model. Right? So if you're building trading models, that part goes under what we call money management. So, you know, and you can program all of that to kind of keep things super clean. So if you're trying to do this at home with any other type of coach or teacher, what I would totally um, do is focus on one, one personal goal, one business goal. This way you have a diet of the mind and you can make sure that you don't get too overwhelmed with things because it, you should be able to, you know, have two, two goals, personal, one business. Now, kind of segueing to sec the second point, when you think about security selection and all that kind of stuff. There are simulators out there and screeners that you can use to help weed out stuff that don't meet your criteria. So again, if you have trouble picking and being decisive, part of it might be that you don't really have a criteria for what I call raking through the data. And that's the like, when you look through your charts or whatever it is, your screens, how do you eliminate stuff, right? Because your job is to is to eliminate suboptimal ideas easiest one to do is to say what's not trending easiest group of things to avoid are the ones that are making 52 week lows right so those are all avoids right unless you're a short seller but we're not talking about that two you don't want to buy, try to buy f things on in a downtrend right even if you're an investor there's no sense in buying cisco at 50 when eventually it's going to go to seven um when it was crashing from the, the highs of 2000 Right, so wait for the thing to bottom out and wait for it to resume its uptrend, and then you could nibble because at least at that point you know that the buyers are on the side of you. You don't want to try to be too smart, thinking that you're buying something on valuation. Valuations don't matter, and they change all the time. It's the same thing of PE ratios. The point being is that if you set up the right screens, 
you can weed out a whole slew of suboptimal scenarios that you wouldn't even need to think about. That saves brain power, right? Some of the criteria could be, um, I don't know, eliminate everything from your data feed that has a share price of uh, anything below $20.01. So that means everything under $20 won't show up on your radar. Now, some of you are already saying, well, man, that's I live there. I live under $5. This is not the right show for you. I don't think I can help you with that, you know. Um, just don't want to waste your time. Time is valuable. Even if we do things very, very differently, I respect everybody's time here, which is why I try to be done within 10 minutes every day. So I'm not going to sit here and blather with a bunch of bullshit or have people on who are promoting their own products or, um, you know, get into this throat clearing stuff. Uh, <clears throat> I try to be focused and very succinct in what I'm saying so that you can kind of cut right to the chase. Um, another criteria, you could remove all the preferred stocks. You could also take out, you know, depending on your capital, you might find yourself in a spot where, like, you don't have enough capital to trade some of the higher-priced securities, like everything between, you know, Tesla to Amazon, you know, for example. Those might be two. It's not that they're not good companies. It's just that you might be looking at, you know, buying 10 shares of some of these companies. And yes, if it's going to go up 33%, your account can grow that much. But I think even for trading, you probably don't want to take all your money and put it into any one particular name. The, the room for disaster there is very, very big. And the goal is to take a smaller account if that's where you're at and to grow it. So you still have to be hypervigilant about managing the risk. Anyway, then you could say, okay, well, I don't want to trade things that, are, that, are, that have low volume because I can anticipate that low volume might also mean low liquidity when I need it most. It also means if the, trouts, the, the trade is kind of crowded and everyone's on one side of the market but the volume is low, that means you, you could be looking at some very, very sharp moves, both to the upside and to the downside. But of course, if you want to think like a pro, you're thinking about how I can lose. So if I have a stock that's trading at $30, but it's only trading 150,000 shares a day, and it's in an uptrend, what's the best way to express that risk in your portfolio? It might be with calls, right? It might be with call spreads, right? Because at least there, there's a binary risk and you can define what your losses are going to be. If you buy a $30 stock that doesn't have any volume and some little whiff of bad news hits the tape, you could find yourself with the market that gaps lower, that opens at 20, long, you know, way below where your, where your protective stop might have been. So you can avoid these types of situations despite the growth prospects by eliminating everything that doesn't trade, I don't know, a million shares, 80 average daily trading volume, remove those also from the list and now you're starting to cull so that you find names that are more congruent with what it is that you're looking to do and who you are. So you take out everything under 20, you'll take out the fallen angels, you'll take out obviously the penny stocks, you'll take out, um, you could also say, well, if anything doesn't have at least 90 days of, of trading history, I don't want that either. This way you're not falling in love with these IPOs and buying into the narrative because that's all you have when it's IPO'd is the narrative. And, you know, again, you could talk yourself, a good example of that is Coinbase, right? There are people who just don't see things rationally. 
because all they see when they open their eyes is some type of DeFi or crypto. And so they're in love with everything that's in that space. I mean, that's not objective, um, but, you know, people can have belief systems that are originating from any type of uh, starting point. Anyway, I think what happens is here, we're just giving you some ideas on how you can go through the data and be objective and, you know, narrow the list so that you don't start to spend a lot of mental energy looking at things that are suboptimal or that could end up taking a whole bunch of brain power from you and take it away from what you should be focusing on, which are the names that are in uptrends and or, you know, looking like they want to, they're building a good base and they're going to break out to the upside. There's decent institutional sponsorship and so forth. So that can help clarify things, you know, for you as well is just to eliminate stuff so that you can kind of, you know, see things more clearly. That might help you be more decisive, right? Which is the goal. As a leader, you have to be decisive. So if you're looking at 5,000 names at any given day, you know, I think that puts you in a tough spot, you know, to get clear because now how do you, how do you differentiate those, right? From one from the, from the other, especially if you're thinking of narrative and fundamental stories, right? You might have 25 names in any one particular, you know, if you're looking at technology, you know, there's just too many names out there and you only have so much capital. Even if you have 50 million, you only have so much capital. So how do you break it up? So all of that can kind of be programmed and automated so that, you know, you just see a menu of what's appropriate for you on any given day. Then if you want to take it, that's the screening part. Then you can take it to the simulation part where you can say, I want to buy X day breakout and risk, you know, 1% of my capital. And here's where I'm going to add to my winners. You know, you can simulate that and see how your ideas would have worked out on stocks or futures, you know, or anything for that matter, over like 20 year period of time. Because that's objective, right? You can't look back on the chart if you weren't in the trade and say, Oh, yeah, I would have bought it there. Right? And then or if you see a big drawdown, you know, and you're buying pullbacks, you know, you can test that too. You know, I want to buy a stock on a 20% retracement if after it makes a 52 week high, how did that play out? You know, what did that do to your equity? You know, because if you don't know the numbers, you're dealing with guesswork. And again, if you're dealing with guesswork, and people have biases built in, you're going to probably err to see things in a way that shines a favorable light on what you would have done, which of course is conditional. But as soon as you start putting emotions to things, your behavior can change very, very drastically from what it might look like when you're looking at hypotheticals or going through charts. You see? And that's the majority of trading right there is your emotional constitution. So um, with the simulators, going back to the simulator, there are some that allow you to only test one ticker at a time, and then there are others that allow you to test at the portfolio level. Those are a little harder to come by, and of course, they're more expensive. Um, off the top of my head, there's trading blocks, and they spell it B-L-O-X. That allows you to test at the portfolio level. I think there's another one formerly known as Trading Recipes that now is rebranded as, I think it's Mechanica. Like the word mechanic, but with the letter A at the end. Uh, there's another commercially available one. There's several thousand dollars each. 
what I mean by testing at the portfolio level is once you've screened your data, you might still have a thousand, a thousand equities after all your screening that are in your, uh, not in your bullseye, but are in your, your, your range of, of appropriate securities for what you're looking to do. So at any given time, who knows what one's going to fire a signal first, right? If you're trying to do it by hand, there's no possible way you could be looking at a thousand names. But if you have it all done electronically, all of those names, you'll never miss a trade because it's all done electronically, you see? And when something is in the neighborhood of where the breakout is, you can have orders in of all shapes and sizes to get long. It's a much more efficient process in as, than, than trying to read stuff through a chart book. So... Um, and I have nothing against, you know, charting packages and this and that. I'm just trying to say, like, what's the best use of your time? If you're using the brain power to go do all of your screening stuff, what do you have left for the actual trading, right? You see what I'm saying? So when you test at the portfolio level, what you're saying is, I'm going to buy or have certain orders. I'm going to simulate what it would look like if several orders got filled on the same day and I took that risk home. And then the next day I got more orders as well as having my protective stops in. So what's the overall behavior add up to? You see? And this is especially important as you get more and more money. Because chances are you're not locked into any one particular name. You know, and you might be taking risk home. If you're day trading, it's probably overkill. It won't mean much to you. But if you're even a swing trader, you know, a three-day swing trader or more in terms, or longer in terms of holding period, then you might want to consider knowing what it looks like over longer periods of time if you're taking risk home overnight or over the weekend with you know more than one instrument in your portfolio that will all be marked to the market you'll be able to calculate really really important things especially drawdown how long was the drawdown and what was the magnitude you know that would be the first thing that i would look at then you can get other stuff like your sortinos and your sharp ratios you can get you know what's the compounded annual growth rate what is your overall rate of return, you know, what was your biggest loss, what's your, your biggest gain, what's your average losses and gains, you know, what's your accuracy rate, how many, what's the percent of winning trades. So now you get your expected values, right? So all of this can happen through simulation. And you wouldn't know that by just looking at charts because you can't ascertain how you would have done or how you would have acted 15 years ago, right? Who were you then, right? so much of this is trading psychology and mindset and emotions you can't go back objectively and say oh yeah i would have been in that trade you know you don't even know how many people didn't want to buy google on the dutch auction and i think it priced at 90 right and those people look hey i would have done if i had the chance i would have done that <laughs> you know what i'm saying like no you wouldn't have so again i don't have any uh conflicts to disclose here I, I know a lot of the people at these companies just because I've been around a long time, but I'm not paid. They don't sponsor this show. I don't get any commissions or referrals. It's just, you know, stuff that's out in the public domain. Um, there are data feeds that you can get end of day data for a few hundred bucks, you know, a month or a year, you know, depending on the plan and what markets and how many names that you want and also how many years. So that's, you know, there's a bunch of companies out there that, that kind of sell you the data. Um, the historical data, is, of course, is what I'm speaking about. And then that data becomes what you use to screen and run it through your simulator. Um, my opinion was this. I would encourage you to test at the portfolio level. 
more than on a name by name basis. Because what happens is if you do it name by name, you can't really see how your existing positions are affecting your equity. Otherwise, you'd have to do that by hand. You know, what's your position size? Then every day adjust your equity, right? So this is all done for you automatically, right? Which is very helpful because you can see if you bought certain things, did they go into drawdown first or did they help you grow your capital right away, right? So this helps you refine your model. So when you do lose money, how quickly did you lose it? I.e., how long did it take? Did it happen amongst several days? Did you lose it quickly? Or did, you, did it take longer times to kind of leak, so to speak? Because then you could go back in and refine your, your exit rule and say, okay, well, maybe I can refine my exit rule and notice something in the trading history and see that for every stock that was down after the third day that I had owned it long in my portfolio, there's a 90% chance that that thing went down further and I got stopped for a loss. So then you could start to put a little statistics to work and say, okay, well, what is the probability of event B given the known probability of event A that I know? And so now you start looking at, you know, all different types of statistics. You could throw in some Bayes theorem in there and then start looking at the math and say, okay, well, how many times did I buy something that went into drawdown even if I was down a quarter percent? Then it came back and I was the whole position worked out so that that one instrument led to me having so two or three hundred basis points to my portfolio. What is the probability of that? Because then you might be able to ascertain what would be a good mean reversion style, you know, strategy. You see, so this is all really, really good stuff, but you don't know the data until you see it for real. And the, the data, as you program it into the simulator, it's forced objectivity because it doesn't care about how you felt. It doesn't care if you were going through a breakup. It doesn't care if you took a month off in December to go to Aix-en-Provence. It doesn't matter if you went to a cooking school for a month in Tuscany. The point being is that it's objective. And if you put the hard and fast rules in to buy at XYZ breakout with 1% risk management and this type of money management, and here's where your stops are, it does so without any talk back, without any interpretation of the data. It's very black and white, hard and fast rules. So to me, it gives you a much cleaner picture of how your rules would have worked over longer periods of time. I would err to the side of using 20 years, not 10. So all of this is also very expensive. I know I've advocated in the past that, um, you know, you have to have the money for this because your simulator is going to run you 2K plus who knows how much, depending on the version that you get, then the data feed's going to cost you. So you might be out between two to 5,000 bucks just to get your testing platform up and ready. You know, and if you're trading 25K, you're going to see that as an enormous amount of money uh, to have to expense, you know, for your education and for your development. Then you have to say, well, even if I got all that and I run these simulations, what the, I don't even know how to interpret the, the output or the data, Right. So, you know, these are the types of decisions you have to make, like how bad do you want it? What's your goal? If you have a long-term goal of running a billion dollars, then $5,000 investment into your education uh, and your professional development, it, you can put it into a different context. If you, uh, if, you, if you subscribe to the ethos of I'm going to day trade penny stocks my way to financial freedom, you know, that's a different way of looking at things. And so simulation for larger name portfolios, including Apple or, 
or, or you know some of these larger cap tech names they're not even in your paradigm so it it's obviously for you it would be a waste of time so anyway these are the types of steps that you can take to help clarify at least one part of your life through your goal setting that we spoke about Friday one goal personal one goal business these types of things can help you see things very objectively because it's, it's hard to make important decisions based on subjective information. And even then, as traders, you're still trying to make important decisions with imperfect information, right? right? All you can say is like, okay, the model has positive expected value and my ex-ante expectation for this model is that it'll continue to work. I think that's typically true. Models like trading systems don't go from having plus three to minus two overnight they typically kind of leak over time as markets change and then you have to adjust i don't think that should be any surprise to those of you listening markets change people change you have to move and change and evolve is really what we're speaking about here things evolve so things need tweaking they don't need major overhauls but they do need tweaking over time so at least if you have a good starting spot or point for your managing risk, or you've evolved to the spot where you need this type of a thing, then in my experience, you're cooking with gas and you will um, get a lot more clarity because you'll have better data. And better data that's objective can help you make better decisions for where you want to go in your life, right? Because now you're not dealing with opinion. The numbers are black and white. You don't have to like them, but at least you know you're dealing with truth. Okay, this has been far too long. <laughs> A daily episode. I know some of you like the longer ones. I prefer to keep them five and ten minutes. I don't want to hear myself talk. Anyway, we're off to a good start. I hope you have a great week. If you need me for anything, you know where to reach me. Other than that, have a great day, and I will see you tomorrow.